Welcome to the Come Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. Welcome back, everybody. It's good to be with you again this week, and uh, good to be with my good friend, Brother Rob Diebel. Brother Diebel, welcome. Yes, thank you, my friend. Yeah, good to be with you. It's good to, good to be in your office again. Uh, yeah. Brother Diebel and my offices are adjoined. We connect offices here up at the Institute in Boise, and, and uh, he's just a, a mentor of mine and a, just a master teacher, and it's, it's so exciting to be uh, with you again. Uh, I, I should say this about you. One of the things I really respect, and I don't know that we've ever talked about this, um, Brother Diebel, for those of you that don't know him, is a very well-read person. He, you read a lot. Yeah, you read a lot of stuff. Do enjoy it, yeah. And, and not just stuff that's you know, written by prophets and apostles, right? I think a lot of Seminary Institute guys just dive into that stuff. But you read a lot of philosophy and you read a lot. What, what do you read? Tell, well, it's interesting because I'm actually going to bring in a little Nietzsche today. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. And uh, so I, I love history. I love yeah. philosophy. Um, uh, I, I really, I, 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 there's a wide breadth of, I got my master's degree in reading literacy. So oh, that might did. give you some, oh, that makes sense. yeah, that might yeah, give you course. some semblance. And, and when I, um, I, I probably have a little bit of a compulsive personality, sure. right? And so sure. once I get into something, I, um, or I, I get inspired by people though, um, even within the church, I r- recognize this on my mission. If someone will reference something for me, it's not good enough to be able to say, okay, so-and-so quoted, I don't agree that source, yeah, right? That source. So I, I've, I got into a period of time where I was reading a decent amount of Russian lit. Yeah. Uh, the Brothers cool. Karamazov, Crime and Punishment, um, cool. uh, The Idiot, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, anyways. A lot um, of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so you know. very well read. And, and, and what is interesting to me about that is it makes gospel conversations with you pretty deep. I mean, and not deep like deep, dark doctrines that we don't really understand, right? But but deep and, and full is yeah, maybe a better thank way to say you. I hope so. Full. I think that's a... And, and I really believe, in fact, President Hinckley uh, was one um, that I remember years ago advising us to read out of the best books or the best mm-hmm. minds. He's, and he said, what we do is we get in the minds of some of the greatest thinkers yeah, yeah. and we can create our own mastermind group, so For to sure. speak, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I, I'm never going to be able to obviously meet with some of these people who are dead, but I can get in their minds and yeah. I can read from them and learn from them and and uh, benefit from them. And, and I believe with all my heart, I, I just know that God has inspired minds yeah. all throughout the ages. And uh, with the added knowledge that we have of revealed truth, yeah. I think it can be really enriching. Yeah, I think so I hope great. today what I add, we'll, we'll just yeah, add a little nuance. I love that. I, I think the canonized scripture is necessary, right? We without. Need, we need that. But I think, you know, it's interesting to me, some of those that lived, especially during the dark ages and the periods where the, during the apostasy, um, the founding fathers, for example, right? Yeah. That, that God was definitely working through some people individually, right? Without a doubt. Um, and it's 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 uh, inspiring to me to read their writings and the things that they wrote and and thought, um, just like it is to to read about uh, you know those in the scriptures that that were being directly inspired. And we have them as canonized scripture. So anyway, I appreciate that about you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank Looking you. Forward to talking with you. Um, anything in your family going on? Anything new? 
that we should know about since last time we had you on. I don't, I don't remember what we talked about last time, but let's see. It's you know, summer, so you're traveling. Yeah. You're doing some fun things with family. You always do. Uh, yeah, we we got a chance to go down and uh, my wife and I and and uh, watch our granddaughter for a week. Just the two of us and her. Um, my oldest daughter and her husband went on a trip, and so that was amazing. Cool. We're gonna go down and see him again. And I've had some fun time with my. I've got two, um, three daughters, yeah. all married, and yeah. two of them live here in Boise. Right. And, uh, love getting together with them. We sometimes we'll go down to Quinn's Pond and just go swimming together yeah. or go mountain biking. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, just stuff like that. And we're getting ready to do a family vacation here shortly. And Good. Where are you going? Going to go to Kauai. Yeah. So, yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Good looking for forward to that. So. Well, good. Well, uh, again, it's good to be with you and uh, looking forward to this conversation today. It's a big block. Romans yeah. 7 through 16. Um, and we talked before we hit record that, that probably will be uh, a little bit of a springboard from verse to verse. Yeah, cherry and, picking and, a few. Yeah, we, we may not cover the whole entire block and really even give you a full context of what's going on. We'll we'll uh, we'll trust that you're going into the come follow me materials yeah. and, and getting that from there. But but where should we start? Should we just jump into Romans seven? Yeah, it's Romans seven, and okay. uh, maybe I want to give a uh, just a, maybe a summary of verses one, two, three, and then get to verse four because. Um, I, I love the imagery that really is all throughout, especially in the Old Testament, it's heavy. But mm -hmm. what, what's happening here is uh, Paul is writing uh, to the Romans in advance of, of a trip he uh, plans on taking in the future. And he's preparing them for his visit. But he's also clarifying um, the transition from the law of Moses to, to the new law mm -hmm. and um, trying to clarify some of the confusion or, or uh misunderstanding. Um, and, and he's trying to teach that the, the old law, the, the law is, is now dead. Mm -hmm. And he gives the example of if a woman was married to a husband sure. and, and he were to die, that um, it would, she could now lawfully get remarried. This wouldn't be adultery. Mm -hmm. But while um, he was living, if she were to have a relationship with another man, of course, that would be adultery. And sure. so just illustrating how the, the law would die as, mm -hmm. as this individual or their marriage would um, would at least earth, in an earthly sense uh, be terminated for, the, for that uh, um, moral experience. And then he gets to verse 4, and, and here's where I, I, I think this is beautiful. I think it's powerful. Um, verse 4 says, Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law mm. by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another. So no longer mm -hmm. be married to the law, or married to another. And he says, even to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto Christ. Mm. Or this imagery that we as the saints are the bride and he is the groom, that right. we are married to Christ. Sure. And it, it's, it's done to show the love, the fidelity, the trust that ought to exist between us and, and him. Mm. For his part, uh, this harkens back to Hosea chapter 2, maybe for some. Yeah, yeah I was just right? going to say, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and it's all throughout the, the Old Testament, but that for his part, he's always the loyal, faithful husband. Yeah. You and I sometimes, quote unquote, have a wandering eye or we'll find happiness outside of the covenants, right. outside the commandments. Well, and isn't it interesting too? Or we'll, gonna be, can I just clarify yeah, that? Yeah. Sorry. We will seek for it. No, we won't find it. But sure, we will seek for sure, it. So sure. please. Well, I was just going to say, my, my, I think it was my wife, um, probably my wife. She says all the smart things in my house. Yeah. Um, I think she brought up that... Uh, you know the husband that we see Christ being. Uh, you define what a what a husband's role is, right? To provide, yeah. protect, all those things. That th that's the Savior's role, right? Yeah. He he has the same serve, task. care for, right? sacrifice all those for. Things. Yeah. He does the work. He's done the work so that I can 
exist, yeah. right? And then I can get back to where I need to be. You know, I just thought that connection between not just not just husband in the in the marriage sense, but husband even with with the roles that we take on. Uh, I definitely am not a nurturer, so <laughs> I don't know that it translates to us that same direction, but. But anyway, I just thought that was kind of a cool... Well, and I, I think ultimately what you just alluded to is the most important part of this is, you know, maybe I'll just springboard ahead because uh, now we're talking about this. I think it's chapter is it 15. It is 15. Let me just kind of jump ahead a little bit. In verse 1, it says, We then that are strong ought to bear, ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. Mm. So he's trying to teach us how we ought to care for uh, those that are less fortunate, those that are weak in the faith. Um, v- verse 7, Wherefore receive ye one another as Christ also received us mm. to the glory of God. Or in other words, or in Rob Diebel's language, Christ received me, mm. who is the reason he was on the cross. Mm. See, and I, th- I think that's what ultimately this idea of the marriage is supposed to connect us to is, why am I loyal to him? Why do I love him? Because he laid down the ultimate sacrifice for me, yeah. who quite frankly treated him at least in some time or another in such a way that caused him to have to suffer. <laughs> yeah, right. My mind's going back to the lesson in in Hosea, where where you the way I taught that when I was teaching seminary was we would talk, we would define a relationship. We'd say this boyfriend, this girlfriend, and and really just write out all the things that the, the harlot had done, his you know his wife yeah. had done. And you just write out this relationship where this girlfriend has done these things, and this boy just keeps coming back saying, "I, I love you. I'm so. It's okay. I, I want you to be with me. Come back." And, and by the end of that, just that five minute kind of monologue with the kids, they're like, "No, man, that guy ought to dunk that yeah. girl, right?" And, <laughs> and you, you're definitely not in the scriptures yeah. yet, right? It's just, it's <laughs> yeah. Like, and but but then when you paint it as that 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 husband is Christ. Yeah. Do you want Christ to dump you because yeah. you keep going back? You're the things? harlot. Yeah, That's right? the message. <laughs> Everybody in the room is looking at you like, no, nope, I don't want Oops, that. <laughs> and, but that's it. That yeah. is it. Yeah. And, and so and when we really feel that and understand that and appreciate and realize where we would be without, yeah. and, and maybe when, when, you know, to really simplify it down to, okay, when I have a choice to make, yeah. I can be loyal to him who has done this for me, or I can show an allegiance or a loyalty, at least in some sure. minor um, period of time towards he who would have me be miserable like unto himself, right? right? It clarifies. Yeah. It clarifies the easiness of, of the decision and so. Well, and ultimately the objective, right, is to become like our Father in heaven. And, and yeah. so Christ is willing for us to continually go through the learning process over and over and over as many times as it takes for us to learn that attribute or learn that skill or learn that, uh, to, to set that, that sinful thing aside because ultimately his objective is for us to become like our Father in heaven with him, yeah. right? That, and, he, and that's what he wants us to do. And so, so there's, no, there's no real reason for him to not want that, right? He loves us all perfectly yeah. and, and he never, he's never going to look at us like the prosecutor, right? Like, well, yeah. huh, I can get you, right? That's yeah. just not how He's we, not the principal you no, called it, right. yeah. <laughs> and yet I think because, it, because of his authoritative position, too many, I think, fear him, mm-hmm. and who who really love him and want his help, and I think when we get to the other side and that judgment, I think he's going to say, "Come here," yeah. and we'll just get a big old hug, and he might tell us how messed up our life was, and and we'll say, "Yeah, but you've got me right," and yeah. and then he'll turn to the father, as the husband would do to protect the wife, right, and say, "Can I ha- handle this? This is she's one of mine, he's one of mine, right," 
And, and it isn't an argument about me and the things I did. It's an argument about him and the things he did. And, uh, I have some verses in here um, that, that we will get to that will speak directly to that right. very point that you just made. Perfect. So Perfect. I don't know if we want to. Yeah, we'll come back to that. Yeah. We'll come back to that. What about you? I, I can no, pick you, something you else. No, keep or? going. I'm, I'm happy. Let's keep moving. All right. Um, why don't we go down to, uh, let's see, verse. Well, you know, wait a minute. Before, yeah. before we move out of seven, are you, go, are you going out of seven? No, I'm going to stay in seven. Okay. Yeah, but you, you I like verse seven. Is that where you were going? Uh, no. So can, let's can do I that. Just, no, can please I just talk do. about yeah. verse seven and then, yeah. and then I'll That's yeah, not. pass it back? Uh, verse seven, he says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid, nay, I had not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet, right? This to me screams for strength of youth, yeah. right? It screams that we were given a law and we lived the law and God held our hand and walked us through the plan. And now the law will be written in our hearts and we will make choices because I know what's right and wrong now. Not that the spirit, the the light of Christ didn't teach me right from wrong to begin with on some levels, but I wouldn't have known, you know, that, that I ought to be like kind of in my mid-teens before I start dating, and, and that, that's probably a good range. You know, I had a conversation with my son the other day, six, uh, my 14-year-old son, and he says, hey, Dad, when I turn 16 and I start dating, I said, whoa, 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 stop. Why are you waiting until you're 16? Or maybe you're not even going to date when you're 16. Maybe you're not dating until you're 18. He's like, what do you mean? 16 is when I can date. I said, according to what? He said, the first strength of youth. I was like, nope, read it. Yeah. And he was like, okay. So he opens it up and it's like, 16 is a good guideline or whatever it says now, right? Used to be a hard and fast yeah. 16, right? And I said, so what if there's a girl and you're 15 and a half and you want to take her to a dance or something at school? Is that okay? He's like, I don't know, dad. Is that okay? And I was like, ah, pff, I don't know. But this, this principle that we learn in, in verse seven, that we know now that about that age is okay and probably about the right time, but for some it will be older and for some it will be younger. And, and the law, I wouldn't have known that had yeah. I not had some guidance in a specific law before. But now it's written in our hearts and we have a completely different way of looking at a, a more full law, right? Yeah. We were speaking about, about Nietzsche. And yeah. uh, I have been reading in him again recently, as, as I mentioned. And he, I, there's so many things he understood and understood really, really well. Um, and, and I want to give due credit to what I think he did understand um, about the Old Testament and the New Testament. Sure. But, but as it relates to the New Testament, there's some things he didn't quite understand, and it's what you just alluded to. And sure. I think this is where I, I, I hope our, our students will understand um, is, is happening in the church, and they have the opportunity to do. And, and it, I think it's the proper blending of the law and then the agency to use the law. Yeah. He knew, Nietzsche, that... In fact, he said that, um, and I'm just going to paraphrase here, in, in all India and all Asia, there is no work to compare mm. to the Old Testament. Mm. That, and, and he knew that was being played out was law. It was existential reality. Right, that right, that right, you right. neglect these things at your own peril. Yeah. And he, he referred to it as a crime, the greatest crime against Europe, that the New <laughs> Testament was glued to the Old Testament. And, and, but again, it has some empathy for where he's coming from. And I think a lot of us, if we saw some of the things and lived where they did and sure. when they did, um, we might, and what he saw was this almost laissez-faire approach now. Mm. What he didn't get is the Old Testament is teaching you the rules of the game. Uh, but now once you understand the rules of the game, now you can become the master of the game. Sure. Right, yeah. and and that like, 
keep the Sabbath day holy. Yeah, that's definitely. Well, how do I do that? Right. Well, you have the rules. Right. You have the law. Yeah. You, you go keep the Sabbath day holy. Yeah. And, and there's probably, if you and I, uh, on any given Sunday, if someone could get a glimpse into your home and my home, yeah. we probably looks a little bit different. Yeah. And, and, right. and yet, because it's now written in our heart, because there used to be a this and that and don't walk this far on the Sabbath and don't do this on the Sabbath, right? The law of Moses, very directly. Now the instruction, and it's Isaiah instruction even back then, though, was, was <clears throat> don't do thy, thy own will or thy own pleasure. Yeah. And if I simply just ask you, and everybody out there listening, I, I invite you to do this. <laughs> Consider the last two or three weeks of your life at, on, the, on the Sabbath. If I just ask you to think about, is there anything you did that the Lord, you, you're pretty sure the Lord would say, yeah, that's kind of your own will. Yeah. You know, that's your own. Yeah. It, it, the reality is, I think we can all come up with those things, and that's the Spirit. That's how the Spirit's speaking to you. That's you receiving revelation. When you think this is a thing I should be doing on the Sabbath, that's a thing you cut out. Whether it's I'm, whether it's a thing I cut out right now or not, I don't know. Yeah. But, but I will have mine, and you will have yours, and we will have learned it because we've fully understood the law, at least on a detail level, right? And now we're being given a fuller law where the Spirit can teach each of us to have it written in our heart and do it right because God can teach me now what right is individually. Yeah, absolutely. So cool. and, and I think I think individually we do know. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. do know. Yeah, and, and I love that I love that principle that we all know what the Spirit feels like or sounds yeah. like to us by just answering those kinds of questions, right? What is it that I shouldn't be doing on the Sabbath? Bam, whatever comes to your mind, however that came, the feeling that you have, that's the spirit for you. Yeah. It's so simple. We, we've turned it into this goosebump thing or yeah. what does Elder Oaks call it? Spiritual indigestion, the burning in your bosom. Yeah. He says, I've never felt yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Do I want to burn into my right. bosom? No, yeah, I don't want yeah. that. <laughs> and by the way, yeah, think about someone outside our vernacular. Oh, like, yeah. How does that appear? Burning that my bosom? Like? <laughs> doesn't sound like something I want a part of. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Um, okay, want, sorry. Keep, oh, no, no, don't. I'm, listen, it's just you and I discussing. So I want to go down to like 15 and 19 yeah. in that area. And, and here's why. Um, there's, there's some Joseph Smith translation to this. Yeah. Quite frankly, I love both. Yeah. And for me personally, I, I, there's some utility in both. I'm glad you said that. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear it. So first of all, in verse 15 and 19, just as it's written before, I can relate to it. I this, can too. Right? It's like, yeah. uh, for those of you who are listening, for that which I do, I allow not. <laughs> for what I would... That do I not, or uh, that what I'd like to do, or yeah. want to do, or should do, I'm not doing who it. Who I know I'm supposed to be, that's yeah. the guy I'm not doing. But right. I'm not doing it. Yeah. Um, but that I hate, or that I shouldn't do, I know I shouldn't do it, yep. that, that, that do I. I. Do. Yeah. Right? Verse 19, <laughs> the same thing. For, that, for the good that I do, I would not do. Yeah. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Yeah. Right? As it stands. It's a little poetic. It is right? a little poetic. And, 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 and it's it, a lot poetic. Yeah, a lot poetic. <laughs> and, and it's interesting because I think if, if we could go back through that and write in the commas that maybe should be there in order for us to really understand yeah. it, uh, I think it would help clarify it. But, but ultimately, this is the, uh, this is the idea that, that it's, it's Nephi's psalm, right? It's Nephi saying, oh, oh, wretched man that I am. And, and here we go. Why do I, right? Why do I succumb to all these well, things? Well, what, what verse is that? Uh, yeah. Verse 24, oh, wretched man that I yeah. am. Yeah. So I do, yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting. That section, and I'll, I'll just share it. Second yeah. Nephi chapter 4, verse 17 to 35. That is the section I read in my mind. I've almost got it all memorized now. But if I don't, I open it up during the sacrament because... Mm. That's how I feel when I begin the sacrament, right? Yeah. That, oh, why? Again this week, it's the same stuff that I did last week or whatever, right? And why do I allow that? And why do I, why do I give in to this, these feelings? And 
But then by the end of the sacrament, after I've taken the bread and I've taken the water, I start feeling like, no, I can depend on Heavenly Father. He wants me. He's, yes. my, he's my Savior, right? And, and that, that it just takes me long enough to get through the sacrament, that idea that I walk in feeling and understanding 15 and 19, right? Yep. I know I don't want to be that, but I am that. Yeah. And I want these things, but I'm not that, right? It's so interesting. I love that. I love that you love those same sections. Yeah. That way. Well, and 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 I, I I think there's some real practical utility to reading sure. them the way. But I I also without the Joseph Smith translation, let me say it more positively. With the Joseph Smith translation, yeah, we get the we get the antidote. We get the help. We get yeah, the answer. Yeah, teach us that. Teach us that. And and then I'll, maybe I'll give you a, an analogy that I've I've come up with. Uh, so in verse 15, now this is with the Joseph Smith translation. But now I am spiritual, for that which I am commanded to do, I do. Mm. And that which am commanded not to, excuse me, and that which I am commanded not to allow, I allow not. Mm. For what I know is not right, would not do, I would not do. For that which is sin, I hate. Mm. And, and so, and I could, let me, I don't know, if, hopefully this is, clear as I'm reading this. I know I'm yeah. kind of stumbling through this, guys, because um, let me, verse 19, for the good that I would have done when under the law, I find not to be good thereof. Skipping down, it says, but the evil which I would not do under the law, I find to be good. Or again, he's just clarifying right yeah. now, the law of Moses yeah. now has done away and, and now. Yeah. But my, here, here's the point in verse 15. Now, all of a sudden, he says, when I'm spiritual, the things that I don't want to do, I don't do them. The things that I know I should do, I have a tendency to do them. Yeah. Here, here's what I want you to think about, those of you that are listening. Maybe you've had a coach, an, an athletic coach, or maybe a music instructor, a dance instructor, maybe think about your interests, who you were scared to make a mistake of in mm. front of mm. because you knew you were going to get yelled at, punished, pulled. Yeah. Right? How do you perform? Like we all, yeah. right? You don't perform very well. poorly, but when you've got a coach, it's like your biggest cheerleader. Like, don't don't worry about it. Just keep going, keep right? Moving. Don't worry about making mistakes. Yeah. Or or you're if you're just performing on your own with just you and your friends, or just you alone, and you're not worrying about it. Mm -hmm. You're free. You're mm -hmm. relaxed. Mm -hmm. You perform better. Yeah. What I want to testify of, and I hope all of you will listen, is that when we rely wholly and completely upon Christ, mm. what doesn't happen is we become apathetic and casual. Sure. What actually happens is our desire and our capacity to keep the commandments actually increases. Mm. When we let go, Christ, as you alluded to earlier, right? He's not the taskmaster. He's not the principal who's going to punish you. Right, yeah. Right? And mm. uh, Elder Uchtdorf, he, he, it's in the talk, four titles, I believe. Mm where he said, you know, we're like the two-year-old toddler yeah. that's learning to walk, and, and, the, and the parents are cheering you on. Yeah. And when you stumble, it's okay. And so my, my, my testimony is, and my, my uh, experience personally, and with so many other people's, when we truly understand and rely upon Jesus Christ, both your desire and your capacity to keep the commandments yeah. will be enhanced. It's the enabling power of the atonement, right? That's exactly it gives right. gives you more than you naturally would have. Would you mind rereading the beginning of that 
Just what you read in, in the Joseph Smith translation. translation. Yeah. Yeah. Would you read that again just where, where he says about him being spiritual? Yeah, absolutely. So we're in, oh, sorry, we're in verse 15. Yeah. And it says, but now I am spiritual for that which I am commanded to do, I do. And that which I am commanded not to allow, I allow not. Right. Okay. So uh, the, as, as we've been reading and talking about this, the, the Mosiah 319, the natural man. Oh, yeah. It keeps coming to my mind, right? And, and it's because of this. Listen to what I think too often, in, maybe in the church especially, we, we claim that verse. We say that phrase, the natural man is an enemy to God. But we miss the, the way to get away from that, right? And it's the next section and has been from the fall of Adam and will be forever and ever unless he yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit and putteth off the natural man. Unless meaning except. Sorry, I cut yeah, you off. I love that. Yeah, except, keep going. Except, right. Except, and, and you become a saint through the atonement, right? So what Paul is saying in his letter to the Romans is, I am no longer natural. I have fully given over my natural desires to Christ's desires. I am now just fully living whatever the Spirit's prompting me to do I am spiritual. Yeah. Right? Now, that doesn't mean he was perfect, right? But, but man, I think the, the level of things that he was screwing up on a day-to-day basis is where, very different than where I'm at, right? right. And, and I, think, I think as we understand that, as we understand that the more I, I give over and I let, let God prevail, um, the easier it, it becomes because the Spirit's now just going to teach me how I should act in every circumstance, in every situation. And, uh, and I've got some difficult circumstances and situations in my family, extended family right now, things that, man, just to navigate them are hard. Um, things that our world is, is throwing out there and making, making us kind of question what God would do or how God would think. And I think it's very important that you have the Spirit with you. And I think President Nelson's invitation and, and comment that it will become impossible to survive uh, without the promptings of the spirit effectively right yeah is true i wouldn't know how to navigate my even my family if i didn't have the spirit with me helping me move from day to day and conversation to conversation and so i think it's important that we become spiritual yeah. right and we put off the natural man and and listen those enticings yeah i think um what what allows us to do uh, is you know we, we don't squelch our passions yeah right we, we bridle them we refine them right. and it's not so much that we that but when we allow the Spirit to uh, refine our natures, uh, the natural man, th- those, those things that without the Spirit can be a hindrance to us, now can be a tool and, and, a, and a, um, a, a reference to build upon. Yeah, I love that. I, I, <laughs> I'm reminded of a camping trip I just took with my boys. Um, <laughs> okay, you're all going to laugh at me because like, I'm me and camping, sitting around the fire with my boys. It's just a spiritual conversation, right, the whole time. And uh, so we were, we were sitting there one night, and we got to talking about uh, self-mastery. Okay. And just what does self-mastery mean? And, and I'm, I'm looking it up right now as I'm talking to you. If you go to the um, topical guide and look at self-mastery, man, there's a whole bunch of um, scriptural references for what that might look like. But I remember having a conversation with my, my boys, and I've got my 16-year-old, my 14-year-old, my 9-year-old all there. And after we got done talking about it, my, my 9-year-old says, oh, Dad, I just figured something out. I said, what? And he goes, well, like, if I got done playing with something and I just cleaned it up right then, 
and like I could, I could get really good at just always cleaning up before I go to the next thing, then at the end of the day, I wouldn't have like four messes all around the house, and I would just be able to clean up the one thing I was doing at the end of the day, and I could go to bed, and I wouldn't have to like clean up before I go to bed. I was like, man, that's brilliant. <laughs> like, like, I've been telling you that for nine years, buddy. Right? I wish I would have thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> but in the moment, yeah. self-mastery happened because he learned the yeah, spirit of him something he needed to improve in, and now all he has to do is remember, well, that's something I want to do. Now, actually doing that has yeah. not happened yet sure. still, right? But yeah. but he knows the principle. And if now all I walk through the house and I just say, hey, Henry, self-mastery, he gets he knows exactly what we're yeah. talking about. And that's the thing he wanted to work on is his self-mastery in that thing. So anyway, maybe we pick some things as we're that's beautiful. going through life. Right? But even the fact that he, quote unquote, discovered that himself, yeah, right? he, at least he, yeah. you can reference that thing that he learned. Exactly. Right? That's beautiful. And the spirit had taught him. Right? Yeah. I think that's cool. Anyway, I love it. I love it. Keep us moving. Okay, let's go to eight. Um, and boy, there's so much here, but I, I think just in interest of time and what else we might want to cover, um, I would go, and if you have others you want to yep, cover before this, let's just go that's to the, the verses that are probably the most well-known, but I, I think, man, can't be overstated how important they are. 16 through 18. Yeah. Um, For the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if it so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, this, this mortal journey can be brutal for sure. <laughs> but apparently what awaits us uh, is beyond comprehension. Yeah. That we can be joint heirs with Christ, that we can inherit all that the Father has, mm. that it, to, like we won't literally, Isaiah once <laughs> refers to, uh, I believe this is, uh, let's see, it's 62 verse 17, I believe, I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm, I'm right in that right area where he says that the um, that this former world, this is just speaking of the millennium, by the way, this isn't speaking about exaltation, right. will not even come to our remembrance. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that means that we don't literally have the capacity to remember. It sure. may mean that. It may also mean that just like so many days in this life that we're just kind of mundane, we just yeah. don't even think about them, that we're on to such bigger and better things. Yeah, yeah I think we, we, we worry so much now about the things we're doing and how I'm going to have to think about that for all of eternity or whatever. Right? Yeah. And I think when we get to the other side, <clears throat> we know where we're going and all of us will have had stuff like that, and none of us is going to want to talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's so just true. going to be like, yeah, yeah, life was a mess, <laughs> right? Yeah. But, but uh, I, I love that. I love these verses. This is this is one of my favorite things to teach. I think as a teacher is just the grand scale at which, if we really understood the plan, it's different. Our, yeah. it, it is not just be a good person, right? It's like become like our Father in heaven, become like the Savior, right? It is, it is become them. It is lofty. It, it's huge. Uh, much bigger than than I think we have the capacity to really understand, and so, and so a long conversation about it gets uh, daunting and, and uncomfortable. But there, can I just share a couple of verses? That, yeah, that please. I think are probably worth your time. <clears throat> um, and and I'm doing this on the podcast, so those of you out there listening, you can pause it, write these down as I go, because I'm going to give you a few. But um, v- verses that reference us as children of God, and, and feel free to add any that you might have or other thoughts you have. Um, Brother Diebel, but I would send you to John chapter 10, verse uh, 34, which is talking about, um, literally, it's 
Christ saying, I said you're gods, yeah. right? I mean, uh, Psalms 82, 6, Revelations 3, 21, Acts 17, 29, and Romans 8, 16 to 17 is where we're at right now, right? Yeah. Uh, and then maybe Second Peter 1, 1 and 4. All of those places are places where that doctrine, that concept is identified, developed to some degree, um, but not taught really yeah. as, a, as a clear doctrine because what matters right now is us here. Yeah. Right. Getting through this, turn to the Savior, having Him be the center of our life. Right. But but again, I think that that doctrine is some of those phrases in there. We'll have a mind like His. We'll have a body like exactly. His. We'll sit on a throne like His. Um, have all all that He has. All that He has. I mean, yeah. Okay. If I if I have everything God has, I have everything. Have a kingdom like His. Yeah. Right? I mean, what what else is there? <laughs> exactly right. And, and that's all stuff out of the out of the Bible, right? And I think too often the church gets uh, thrown under the bus for teaching a doctrine that, that they don't believe exists, but it's all here. Yeah, if all I get exactly. is what Jesus told me I could have, it's, it's that. You know, I, and I think part of, it, it's maybe, it's just the language that gets confusing sure. because, well, first of all, we're talking about little g gods, yeah, right? right? Sure. We will always worship God the Father. Yeah. He will always be who he is to us, but we can inherit eternal life. Mm -hmm. We can have power over the elements. We can live as husband and wife for time and all eternity, right? And these are some of the, the things that are mentioned, by the way, in section Doctrine and Covenants 132, that it means to be a little g, yeah. God. So I think when well, we get to, like, let's just put, take the, the terminology off right. the table. Let's just go biblically and, and sure. what do we inherit? I think we start to come to some common ground. Yeah, and, and, and I think you can go one more step in that list that you gave us. Because we know the the Abrahamic covenant promises us children beyond the sands of the sea. Yeah. If I am married eternally and have the capacity to be like my father and mother in heaven, then I also have the capacity to have children like my father and mother in heaven, millions of them, if that's what I choose, right? And and if that's the case, well, what am I? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a father. Yeah. I'm a heavenly father for kids that get sent down to an earth that need a body. I mean, we could continue that. The, the gospel then becomes one eternal round. Yeah. Hey, I've heard that phrase before. And if we think backwards about that, you know, we don't really know much more, but it would infer that there's maybe a grandfather in heaven. And, right? yeah. I mean, th those are things that, that we don't really have, have knowledge to speak clearly of. And, and, and so maybe, maybe we stop in the conversation here, right? But, but to have that much of a, of a concept, to have that wide of a scope, yeah. I think changes why I live the gospel. It changes why I'm being good, a good boy or a good girl, right? Yeah. It makes it so that my purpose is not just because God said so, but because God said I could become like him and a child of his who can become like him. That's... Yeah. Huge. Can I just throw out maybe some questions for those listening to just to ponder? Sure. And, and um, it may be that everyone who's listening, uh, you know, by, loves this doctrine, and sure. but, but there might be some who are not. And so maybe it's just some things to think about is, first of all, how much knowledge does God have? All of it. All knowledge. Yeah. Um, how much power does God have? All the power. All power. How much does he love me? Infinite. Infinitely, eternally, right? right? Yeah. Uh, at what point does he want to stop my progress? Never. Right. So like if he has all knowledge, all power, all love, who am I to say what he doesn't have the capacity to do with me? Right. And why would he not want me to achieve all that I'm capable of achieving? And by the way, it's yeah. not me. He's and, and the Savior are going to be the ones who are going to allow me and help me to achieve these. Right. Things. And, and they're the ones that said it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. And, and then maybe one more step, too. Right. If 
if God has everything, he knows everything, he has all power to create or, or destroy everything, how is he eternally expanding and growing? What, with what? The only option is us being faithful and righteous and us having posterity, and that is how Heavenly yeah. Father becomes grander. That's exactly right. A grandfather, yeah. even maybe, right? I just, I just love that. I just love this doctrine. Yeah, it, it, it helps me. But, but you know, I know someone in my life who, who this is daunting. This feels like I don't. Uh, this is too much, right? And to have that conversation with this person um, is is overwhelming. Yeah. And so I get that, and I think that's sure. okay. Um, you know, again, all that matters is this life. According it's to exactly Moses, right. right. And and let me, you know, I don't. This may not be helpful, but to those who are listening who may have a similar challenge or struggle. This is a, a journey that is going to continue long after right. the grave, yeah. and, uh, and 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 agency still exists then. Too, yes, right? I and mean, so I think of my wife and I, and I think if Heavenly Father said, "You want to have a million children?" <laughs> right now, I think my wife would say, "No, we had six. No, we're good. Yeah, we're good. We're yeah, maybe we have two or three spirit children or whatever." And I think our agency would allow us to have what what we want to have yeah. in in our own families and in our own growth and development that way. And, and he would just smile and love us for whatever we wanted. Yeah, you, we will be perfectly happy. Yep. Whatever that looks like, yep. uh, you, you'll, you'll be perfectly happy. Because it's what you'll want. It's exactly right. Whatever it is. It's exactly right. right. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. love that. We'll all inherit the maximum amount of joy we're willing to receive. Yeah. That's what's, yeah. That, right. Love Anything that. else in section, in, sorry, section chapter 8 or? Um, maybe just 24. Um, for we are saved by hope. Those sins, like, we have a bright reckoning of all our guilt, yeah. not the things that we've been forgiven of right. through repentance and yeah. Christ's grace cleansing us. Not only cleansing us, sanctifying us, right. changing our very natures yeah. so that you're not going to stand before, you don't necessarily have to stand before the judgment bar of God and have, what do they sometimes refer to as a, as a movie screen right? on every right. horrible thing Replayed. you ever said or thought right. or didn't know. <laughs> no, no, no. I love, the, I love the term justified in that conversation with Christ that, that I am justified through Christ and, and not justified like my actions were uh, rationalized. I think that's how we use the word yeah, justified. Yeah, it's not. It's... But, but if you think about like how we justify a Word document, that, that aligning documents, right? We do it all the time. We click the align left or center or right, right? Yeah. We click that little button and that is... That is what the Savior does. He justifies me by correcting me and getting me to line in, in line with Him. And because that justification happens, I then can be sanctified. But the justification is not a ratification of my actions. No. It's an alignment of me to Him. Yes, right? exactly right. And that's what He does, again, probably through the enabling power is given that power. Maybe just for, I, I, the way I, I sometimes will just simplify it is, that justification is is the process of being forgiven to have legal standing with God. We've been forgiven. Yeah, yeah. However, and and everyone listening to us will know this. Sometimes we've been forgiven of sins, but we can still be tempted of the sin. Sure. When we become sanctified, yeah. That's mm. that very desire for that sin is literally rooted out of our nature. Yeah. And so, both are critical and yeah. and and uh, important. And and maybe building blocks. Right. Maybe one's a building block to the other. Sure. But, yeah, I like that. I love this. Um, I love this. Keep, keep us going. We've, we've kind of bounced into, well, we were in 14 last. Is there anything in 12? Yeah, uh, the, in 12 there is something I, I would like let's, to. Let's, let's, let's land okay. there. I, 
just for time's sake, I want to make sure we, we cover the things that uh, well, we know we want to cover. So, um, if, if I can, I, again, I, so earlier I mentioned um, Nietzsche, and that came from Beyond Good and Evil. What I want to share now comes from uh, a book called... Um, Excuse me, what I read earlier came from the gay science. I apologize, also known as the joyful science. But um, this, what I'm going to share with you in just a second, comes from um, On the Genealogy of Morality. And it was written um, after Beyond Good and Evil. And it was just to, to give some clarification and uh, to some things he wrote in, uh, in Beyond Good and Evil. Can you give us some background on him? Yeah, so. When he lived, just some. So, yeah, for those that haven't studied it. late 1800s, okay. um, German philosopher, uh, influenced heavily by um, Fyodor Dostoevsky, who was a famous uh, Russian author, a literary philosopher. Okay. And um, so, you know, what Nietzsche is probably most famous for is the announcement of the death of God. Oh. Um, it, he, he wrote, it, it came from an aphorism. Uh, which is he often wrote these little these aphorisms these like short pithy uh, stories to, mm -hmm. to illustrate a, a principle or a philosophical thought mm -hmm. and <clears throat> when he was writing this he's telling the story from this uh, gentleman's perspective who's crying out that that the people around him in this European community have have killed God that they've mm -hmm. rejected God mm -hmm. it wasn't when Nietzsche made that that statement he wasn't triumphantly clearing God, God is, is dead, dead. <laughs> right. he was making a statement. By the way, keep in mind, this guy was an atheist. Mm -hmm. But man, he, <laughs> he, he, he understood some things that be, you better not take lightly. Mm. He understood that we didn't have the capacity to create our own moral structure. Now, that's, that's really in contrast With to atheism. the, the mo modern atheists of our time. Yeah. They, they, that's the, probably the, the biggest dividing point on, on, between them. But, um, but then he went on to say in the story, essentially, I'm going to use my language, but you're not going to find enough. Because we've rejected God, because we've rejected those values, and we don't have the capacity mm -hmm. to substitute something sufficient to, to, um, uh, for that, that you'll never find enough water to wash away all the blood. Mm. Now, Interesting. That, now, fast forward 30, 40 years to the 20th century, mm -hmm. where we literally have over, well, I shouldn't say over, approximately 100 million state-sponsored, well, I'm not talking warfare, guys, I'm talking state-sponsored deaths mm. uh, by regimes, you know, under Lenin and Stalin and Pol Pot and Mao in China and Nazi Germany, about 100 million deaths from regimes that had completely rejected God. Mm. He wow. knew. He knew it was coming. He knew it was coming. Mm. And so this, what I'm saying, is uh, just profound yeah. mind. Brilliant. So teach us what so, you So Yeah, what you so, so well. come down, if we can, uh, to verse, oh, uh, let's just... Um, Read maybe, I'm going to read 16, 17, and 18, okay? okay this is Romans 12. Romans 12. In fact, I'll just read 17 and 18, okay. okay? Recompense to no man evil for evil. Hmm. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as it lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Hmm. And maybe 20 as well. If thine, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If the enemy hunger, feed him. Hmm. If he thirst, give him drink. 
verse 21 says, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Mm. I might just define the word recompense because I'm looking at the cross references yeah. here. For those that are listening, recompense to no man evil for evil. Uh, recompense is forgive or retribution, right? So, so there's no requirement to forgive man evil for evil, right? There's no, there's no um, retribution is really what he's saying, right? Yeah. You, don't, you don't go, <laughs> you don't balance it out exactly by right. going and doing the same thing they did to you. And, and just to maybe get an exclamation mark on this, in um, Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, he, he asked the question at the end of that, um, what reward have ye if you love those which love you? Don't even the publicans do the same? Yeah, that's it's super like, easy. Yeah, for you and I loving each other, it's nice, but right. probably not going to get a lot of credit yeah, for that, it, right? It, it's walking into a class where the same 10 people that would be rock star students are rock star students for you and you patting yourself on the back, right? Yeah. The 30 others that are struggling with you, that's who you, who you ought to focus on, right? So I just want to share um, something that Nietzsche wrote that I believe can help us in this. Can, again, I think this principle really is effective in emotional resilience course as well. Okay. So he has this idea of, of a nobleman. He calls him the nobleman. And one of the key characteristics of this nobleman is gratitude. Mm. And it's not so much that they express, but they embody gratitude. Mm. It is part of their nature, mm -hmm. it's part of their character. Mm -hmm. Now listen to this, I think this is profound. And, and essentially what he's teaching here, and I think what Paul is teaching here is that in, in order, I don't become, well, let me just read it and then I can maybe clarify. So he writes, when resentment does occur in the noble man himself, it is consumed and exhausted in an immediate reaction. Mm. Well, what's that immediate reaction? It's gratitude. Mm. And therefore, it does not poison what he later refers to a, the poisonous eye of resentment. It doesn't poison. On the other hand, it does not occur at all in countless cases hmm. where it is unavoidable for all who are weak and powerless. Hmm. So I'm going to keep going, but without this gratitude, we become weak and powerless to resentment that we as fallen hmm. human beings are always going to confront. Yeah, uh, just before you keep going, Elder Bednar gave a talk um, about being offended and said, nobody can make you offended. You take offense. It is something you have taken on um, in a similar way, right? That, that um, my ingratitude makes me weak and small and susceptible to uh, taking offense or, or seeing an intention that maybe was even bad and, and claiming it as a thing that now I'm gonna make even worse, <laughs> right? So, so keep on that, notice what he says. Be not overcome um, of evil, but overcome it. He said, overcome it with good. So the antidote to resentment isn't mm. being less resentful. Right. It's being more grateful. Huh. By you being, you become more powerful. And this is where I think meekness gets a little bit of a, we think of meek as just, just uh, no, oh. meekness is I have my sword sheathed and I know when to keep it sheathed. Right. But I also know when to pull it out. Right. You become more powerful. You become yeah. more forceful. That's how you overcome resentment and jealousy. And, and so cool. let me just read on because it gets to loving your enemies. He says, to be unable to take his enemies, his misfortunes, or even his misdeeds seriously for too long. This is if, you're, if you had this attitude of gratitude or if you've embodied it. 
This is the sign of strong, rounded natures with a superabundance of power, which is flexible, formative, mm -hmm. healing, and can make one forget even your own misdeeds. Mm -hmm. Now, let me just read one last thing. A man like this shakes from him with one shrug many worms, which would have burrowed into another man. Actual love of your enemies is also possible here and here alone, if it is possible at all on earth. Huh. And I just want to share that with all the other listen, if you struggle with resentment, if you struggle with maybe self-resentment, hmm. self-loathing, the answer isn't to be less self-loathing. The answer is to be more grateful, more gracious. Yeah. You'll become more powerful. Yeah. I really love that. Um, uh, maybe I'll share something that a man by the name of Walter Winks um, I don't think I'm familiar with him, shared. so you're so going to teach me something. Winks I appreciate it. Says, I'm thinking of the the counsel to, if a man strikes you on a on the cheek, turn him the other cheek. Right, that that phrase, and and I I was doing some study on that idea, and and I think it kind of correlates here that that we sometimes read that as like a weakness, like okay, hit me, hit me again, I'll yeah. take it, right? But this is what Wink says. He says, if anyone strikes you on the right cheek. Turn the other also. That's the, that's the, the scripture. Injunction, yeah. Scripture injunction, yeah. Week says, does Jesus reference the right cheek specifically? The answer is both challenging and enlightening. Jesus lived in a right-handed world where, where left hands were reserved only for unclean tasks. Therefore, we can assume that the person doing the hitting would have used their right hand. The only way to strike someone on the right cheek with the right hand is to backhand slap yeah. them. Such a blow connotes an insult, not a fist fight, and was a normal way to reprimand someone over whom you had power, masters over slaves, husbands over wives, Romans over Jews. To strike your equal in such a manner was socially and legally unacceptable, carrying with it a huge fine. So what we have, I think, read, and, and maybe there's some conjecture here about living in a culture that was right-handed, but, but maybe what the Savior's saying is, Turn them the other cheek and let them own their sinful behavior, yeah. right? You, you're not whimpering and cowering away. You're standing up for yourself to turn your other cheek, right? And to say, um, go ahead, you can hit me again, but you're going to own it this time. I mean, the first time was, was offensive, but this time you're going to like legally take responsibility for your action here. When my wife taught me that, I, I thought, man... There's something there that is more empowering and maybe more what Nietzsche is saying here, right? That, that there's more than just cowering and whimpering. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that the more, in the best sense of the term, the more formidable you and I become, mm -hmm. the more we embody these Christ-like attributes, the stronger and more powerful, the more freedom we will have. Yeah. Um, yeah, you think about Christ, the ultimate nurturer has the capacity to lay waste to everything. Yes. But because he doesn't, he is much more um, noble. Yeah. Right? Because nobility comes from control of power, not power itself. That's exactly right. Right? That's exactly right. Wow. I love yeah. that. I love that. In fact, say that again, if you don't mind, because I, I was thinking about something doctrinal and I want to... Nobility comes... Can I say that twice? Yeah. Nobility comes from control of power, not power itself. Yeah. I was, here's what I was just thinking about was... 
premortal. This is, I'm not sure if this is pertinent or not, but it's where my mind went, so I'll, I'll run with it, is the scripture teaches that God's honor mm. was his power. Mm. That his work and his glory is to bring to pass the immortality and return of man. Right. I honor him. I honor myself because of what they did for me, the sacrifice. Yeah. And because of that, I, I try and keep, I, 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 want to be, I want to be exalted. I want mm -hmm. to have eternal life, right? Mm -hmm. So the power that God has because we honor him because of his sac, and, yeah. and that, that's what Lucifer wanted. Yeah, and, and, and Lucifer just wanted the power. Yeah. He just wanted the authority without any of the action that came with it to, to prove he had control of himself. And he's proving that he doesn't. And he never had, because he was never willing to sacrifice right. for anybody. And he didn't have the capacity to. Right. But. And, and ultimately, God's willingness to lose his children to enable them to have agency, what a power. Yeah. Right? What a power. What a powerful creature that God is to say, I will allow you agency and lose you, some of you. Yeah. As a as a parent myself, it's so hard to think of one of your children going astray, right? And and maybe that's the ultimate expression of love for your child is to allow them to make the choice to walk away, or to stay. Yeah. And to freely allow that choice without, uh, isn't that the most noble thing that, that that a father or a mother on earth can do is to teach them obviously correct principles, right? But to let them govern themselves. It's brutal. It's a brutal truth, but you don't keep your children safe by protecting them. Yeah. You keep them safe by making them strong. Yeah. And, and that's a brutal thing as a parent. And incrementally, you start to allow some of that freedom and that yeah. agency, and you understand that they are at times going to stumble and fall. And, yeah, but. yeah the, the Lord didn't just build a world full of temples. He built a world and then dots it with temples, right? Yeah. Let's us have the agency to live in the world. And Brother Diebel, this has been fantastic. Is there We're one good. more thing you want to share with us? Um, let's see. Let me just collect my thoughts for a second here. Um, yeah. Let's just maybe end with this. I, Christ, throughout all these verses, I, I believe is being highlighted by Paul for the sacrifice that he made for you and I. Mm. And when you and I come unto him, that we become more like him, our weak things become strong unto us, mm. that we can live more peaceably, more joyfully in this life and in the world to come. Yeah. I just want to suggest life is not easy. Life is brutal. But Christ's path is the path of least resistance. Yeah. You do invite into your life his grace, his enabling power that you've alluded to, to strengthen you, to comfort you. You invite the Holy Ghost into your life to um, help you in your infirmities. Mm -hmm. um, if any of you are struggling, if any of you are hurting, um, I, the answer is not to leave. The answer is to stay yeah. and invite those extra helps and blessings into your life. Um, yeah, can I just yeah. add, the answer is to stay and act, right? Uh, um, I think that, that too many members of the church just stay and float and think that if they lay on their backs and just float, they'll be able to float forever. And I don't think that's the case. I think the Lord requires us to swim and to, to move our arms and to flail around a little bit and, 
and learn to be productive because I think uh, ultimately we sink when we just try to float. Yeah. Uh, we don't have enough oxygen to keep us up. I'm glad you clarified that because I think sometimes we, we may turn Christ or his grace into magic. An antichrist. Right, exactly. Because yeah. part, of, part of God's grace is the ability to act. Mm -hmm. That I can go out and get some sunshine, some vitamin D. I can get some exercise. Mm -hmm. I can get proper sleep. I can get mm -hmm. a proper diet. I can go out and serve someone else. Right. Um, right? I can, I can read and I can, can study, study on my own and I can look for my own answers. I don't have to just go to a class and listen to someone or listen to a podcaster. I can do some yes. active things, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. It is, and it is proper medications, right? Yeah. It's all of these things are part of His grace that He's inspired great minds to, yeah. um, to, to counsel us, to give direction. But ultimately, like you just said, um, we are agents. There are things to act and things to be acted upon, and right. we are we are a thing to act. Yeah. Man, so, I love that. anyways, brother Diebel, this is awesome. You. Again, it's it's so fantastic to sit with you and just to visit and converse and and look at scriptures together. It's uh, I, I often talk after we hit record, isn't my job really cool that this is part of my assignment yeah. to get a, go around and, and talk with all these wonderful, fantastically gifted and talented and, and intelligent um, colleagues of mine. Um, what would you say just in closing um, <clears throat> that you think would motivate a young adult to uh, stay on the path, to stay active, to stay engaged, to stay... Uh, maybe energetically engaged, yeah. not just apathetically here. Which, by the way, I think you and I would say we are in our own very, very imperfect way energe ener um, energetically uh, involved with. Sure. Guys, I, I do remember. I remember vividly when I was their age and I had so many unknowns in my future. And I, I just want to testify that if you will be actively engaged in the work, if you will actively engage in hasten, or if you'll be actively engaged in taking ownership of your own intellectual and spiritual and physical, emotional, spiritual development, mm -hmm. that, man, you have a richness of life ahead of you, uh, a peace and a contentment and a simplicity of life. Mm -hmm. um, by the way, one thing we, we didn't allude to in here was uh, he teaches about don't owe anyone anything, mm -hmm. right? Financially. Yeah. It, there's, within the gospel framework, there is contained a life filled with peace, mm. joy, um, and, and I want that for all of you. Life is hard, period, for all of us. I'm not saying that. I'm not minimizing that. But with all of that, you can ha find the peace, the joy, the contentment that you're searching for, whatever your circumstances. And um, I, I know there's a lot that we could have on in an individual conversation, sure. but I just testify that is true, and I want that for you. Uh, I want that for all of you. May God uh, help you to find it. Uh, I would, yeah, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen. I would say that. Amen, brother. Thank you. We'll have you back on probably shortly. It won't, okay. it won't be too long before we have you back. <laughs> I'll look forward to it. Okay, we'll see you then. Thank you.